Spiros, hello, my friend. Welcome, hello, welcome to the Marvel hello. Talks. Thank you very much, man. It's an honor to be on your show. Hot I'm so thrilled. Slash motivational conveyor. <laughs> <laughs> I am really happy that I managed to convince you to put yourself before a, a camera and have this chat. Okay. I didn't need much of uh, much of convincing because you are a natural born salesman, so you can <laughs> talk him into it. As with the yeah. stories, remember that campaign that you started one year ago? Of course, the seven stories, seven lessons. In front of a camera. <laughs> so let us welcome our viewers who are slowly uh, gathering before the stage. And I would mm -hmm. say a few things about you. Spiros is a chartered accountant, a film academic, a management columnist in established business magazines and journals, as well as an author of children's books. He is also a full-time husband and loving father of two sons, a co-producer of the Sangre Negra series that aired on Amazon Prime and Netflix, and some and of parenthesis here. Sorry for uh, intervening. It's for intervening, no but. Actually, uh, we moved on to the LRA network owned by Robert Rodriguez, so we had a better offer from that side of the pond. Okay. So, so we moved from Amazon Prime to LRA, coming to Fantastic. a small view in uh, December. Fantastic. And you mm -hmm. are also someone who gets to hang out with the likes of Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, uh, <laughs> and quite a few other popular people. Spiros, are you I human? <laughs> <laughs> Probably I'm bionic, but I was blessed by my parents with uh, per chat genes. So, uh, and with a touch of luck, I'm achieving all of those things that you mentioned, and hopefully many more to come. <laughs> so you have supercharged genes. Mm -hmm. how, I'm, how lucky basically, you Basically, that translates into cutting down on my sleep, <laughs> having a second life when everybody else shuts down, um, <laughs> I'm on, and I'm uh, trying to, to catch up with everything that I have on my plate, and it's a full plate. So uh, mm. I think I'm doing well. Either. Which gives me a pass to come to that. But first of all, let me ask you, what lessons uh, did the lockdown save for you? Any lessons learned from this experience? Mm, actually, the lockdown situation gave me, and I think the whole world, the opportunity to delve deeper into our psyches, discover mm. more about ourselves and about our, uh, our, the people closer to us. So it freed, it freed up time that previously considered to be locked into other things probably of secondary importance. So um, what I learned during this uh, short stint <laughs> while on lockdown, 
is to slow even more and smell the roses. I, I was in that habit mm. before to do it even more and with more zest. So uh, when things, things slow down, you tend to, to look at the bigger, uh, the bigger piece you know, uh, of the puzzle. So um, when coming out from the lockdown, I still retain some of the um, of its attributes, of its characteristics. So for me personally, the pace of life has become even slower, but in a good manner. <laughs> mm. So now I'm not rushing to do everything um, simultaneously, contemporaneously. I don't have many balls in there. I just uh, lowered the, um, the volume of output that I'm doing in my personal life, in terms of uh, of things having on, a, of many things having on my plate. So now life has become a bit sweeter due to the COVID, <laughs> if you can say that. I can get you fully. I, so life slows down and we slow down with it to appreciate more of what's in front of us, I think. Exactly, what's in front of us, what's near us, What's in our nearest vicinity, actually? Mm. Mm. And going back to the full plate that you have, mm -hmm. do you think that we suck at multitasking and we know it? I've read somewhere that multitasking is a dangerous myth and that effective single tasking is the way to mm -hmm. go. It touches also on work. This touches on work as well. Exactly. What do you think about the... Mm -hmm? To tell you the truth, I was a diehard multitasker back in my 20s and also in my early 30s. Now that I'm, I'm, I'm putting 40, <laughs> I'm slowly and gradually switching to monotasking because I find, I find from my personal experience, I find that when you confine yourself on a single task you, and you like that task and you see that the, 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 um, the light at the end of the tunnel and you want to complete it and get to the reward part, you tend to do it more constructively, more efficiently, mm. more effectively. And, uh, and then it gives you the motivation and the path to go to the next task. So instead of doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that and all of it together, when you prioritize the tasks that you want to do, you tend to come out with more success and more fulfillment. And so, actually, yeah, go ahead. Uh, because I, the line was breaking out a little, to summarize what you said, what you said, I think, <clears throat> by breaking down and prior, prioritizing the multitude of tasks that we have, and by viciously attacking a task at a time, mm -hmm. we are more effective and we become more yes, self-motivated. Mm -hmm. Is it correct? Exactly, exactly. Because you retain momentum. When you take my, for example, uh, I'm just on, on the finish line of my PhD in film studies. I started that by a much needed push from my lovely wife back in 2013. So seven years down the road, I'm now nearing the, the finish line. Okay. So mm. um, in order to achieve that, to go the distance, I needed to on, on many of my tasks, my side tasks, in order to concentrate on the one and only task that mattered the most to me, and that was my PhD. So by doing that, I managed to single-handedly complete it and come out of it compared to if I had uh, 
a couple of side paths running along mm -hmm. the way and drain my attention and my focus. Had some of those, but they were of secondary importance. <laughs> what about the work-life balance? Is this attainable or it is a convenient myth? Felipe, mm -hmm. tell you the truth, work-life balance, it's all, it's all in the mind. It's all in the mind because mm -hmm. as I said, time is relative. Time is what you make of it. So if you want to stretch time, you can do it. In order to achieve work-life balance, you need mm. time. It's the basic ingredient, the building block of work-life balance, okay? So, because time is scarce, it's the most valuable, the most scarce uh, commodity there is. You cannot make more and you cannot have the one that was wasted back. So, you need to stretch time. It's all in the mind. When you, uh, what I mean by stretching time is that you need to be in the moment. Uh, most people tend to look backwards in their lives or tend to look forward. If you live in the past or you foresee into the future, mm. the moment. So when you are presently in the moment, and, uh, and on this respect, you are a guy after my own heart because I know that you do it as well, you tend to elongate time. Mm. Like we had the other day with the, uh, with the hourglass when you turn it. Yeah. Mentally, that's when you yeah. get work-life balance. You need to, you need to, mm -hmm. you need to prioritize. You need to get your priorities straight. You need to see what, um, to ascertain what matters the most. For me, it's my family, so I'm giving it my everything. I, I, I stretch the time so as to be as much and uh, in the in the most qualitative sense with them. I think you made a very valid comment in that uh, that we underestimate the value of the present and we mm -hmm. erode we erode the measure of the present by being constantly preoccupied with what happened yesterday and what might happen tomorrow and this mm -hmm. in and by itself Mm -hmm. shrinks or erodes the magnitude of the present time. Is it what you are saying? I think it makes sense. Exactly, exactly. You said it uh, more elo eloquently, but it's exactly not in so many words. It's, uh, it's the substance of what I said. So you need to pay attention, you need to pay respect to time mm. because it's the one thing that does not come back. This I learned from my parents. So uh, I'm paying it forward now to my own family. That's a fantastic insight. Let me ask you something else. What got you into accounting? In one word, mm -hmm. my father. <laughs> because as the first, first born of a typical Cypriot family, I had to become, whether I liked it or not, uh, the, uh, what my father was, is actually, the vocation of my father, my father is a certified accountant, so I became a chartered accountant. It was an acquired pay, to tell you the truth, because I, by, by that, at that time, I didn't know what um, I was going to study back when I was a teenager. So again, my parents gave me and decided to push. They mm. even made me to, to the university on my behalf. So they sent me away to study accounting. <laughs> and I think, and I've read in some of your interviews that 
Okay, first of all, you enjoy it. I know that you enjoy it and you have been enjoying I having a, a really fulfilling career and that you I still do. do now in the public service. But at the same yes. time, I've seen that the accounting career has taken you to play has taken you to places and has paid mm -hmm. for some important some important golden tickets. Is this correct? Exactly. So you you in, checked, a yeah. <laughs> in a sense, in a sense, your profession mm -hmm. has and the financial rewards associated with it has also mm -hmm. fueled and um, supported your side, if I can call it side passion um, exactly. or parallel, mm -hmm. parallel perhaps passion, which is the movies, the film production industry, and this exactly. really mm -hmm. big chapter. Yes. Is this what keeps you up at night? Is this mm -hmm. the thing that really provides zest to you and fires up your, mm -hmm. your energy. Exactly. It's the, it's the fuel that helps me burn the midnight oil, as you so eloquently put it. So, yes, that's it. It's my, it's my biggest love, cinema, second only to my wife and uh, kids. So, yes. Mm -hmm. Can you but tell us the story? I, I, yeah. Can you but tell us this? story how what were the string of events that led you rubbing shoulders with the likes of al pacino and robert de niro and how does that what does that say about believing in in our dreams and staying close to what we dream and what we believe in can you share a few insights regarding mm -hmm. that story H how did the story go so well, actually, I met Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, just to clarify, in two separate events. But I will tell you the okay. first event, Robert De Niro, which is a much uh, longer event in terms of uh, time span. Mm -hmm. So when I went to my universe, into, um, University of Wolverhampton to do my uh, PhD in film studies back in 2015, mm -hmm. you could say that I was uh, on the bottom of the food chain academically. Mm -hmm. I was... Uh, um, a fresh PhD scholar that I had just uh, submitted my uh, expression of interest, then my research proposal, then off I went into deep research. So a call came from one of my supervisors and they asked me if I wanted to attend uh, the Tribeca Film Festival in 2014. And I said, sure, but what's the catch? They said, no catch. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just the university sponsors uh, the, um, uh, the event, so it's one of the co-sponsors. So would like to send two free VIP invites your way. And I said again, what's the card? Because I'm about to scream, I'm about to pinch myself to see if I'm dreaming. But I, I wasn't dreaming. And they said that no um, no tricks, no catch. You just go there, uh, be picked up by um, uh, Robert De Niro, enjoy his two-week festival that takes place in uh, that in downtown Manhattan, the Tribeca area. That's why it's called mm -hmm. Tribeca. And its purpose is to regenerate interest in um, in New York City as a filming location after 9-11. So that's why they did it. And, and we went in 2014 with my wife and we had practically, they gave us some, you know, batches that said, hey, uh, all access. So uh, we went behind the, the barricades um, on the red carpet. That's why I said for, for the three first days of being there, I was constantly asking Ellen to, to pinch me to see 
if I'm sleeping because I was numb throughout. It, it was pure luck. It was pure luck. So <laughs> let's don't confuse it. But it says something about dreams as well. It says that when you change your because if I hadn't started on my PhD back then, if I hadn't followed my dream and took the plunge, took that very big leap of faith to commence seven to do a seven-year commitment on this grand scale. I, would, uh, I wouldn't create that domino effect by shooting the first bit down that led to me flying off to New York City on a VIP capacity and meeting De Niro, parting with Steeler from American Pie. And you've seen the interviews. <laughs> so uh, it was luck, but after... Yeah. Mm, it was pure luck, but after luck, I took the lead and I was on the driver's seat and I was actively trying to get involved into that fantastic, enchanting industry, the showbiz, mm. the film business. So I even made out, you know, um, little luxurious plastic cards saying, Spiros, yes, I'm this film producer, and I was uh, handling this around like workers, uh, <laughs> like bands. So I gave like a hundred of those boys, and I, in return, I, I took back to Cyprus 10 friendships. From those 10 friendships that I cultivated, my acquaintances from the film festival, I, the two of them bloomed. So um, those two acquaintances invited me, to, uh, gave me the spot of associate producer on Sagrenikra. So you see, it's like it's like a domino, it's like a domino. domino. Super domino. Exactly. But, exactly. but you need to chase it. You need to, active, to actively knock down the first brick Exactly. To fall down on their own, but with a little bit of pushing yourself. I think that to summarize the the story, because once again the line was breaking uh, here and there, the mm -hmm. milestone and the pivotal moment in your journey was your decision to go for the PhD in film studies. Correct. Mm -hmm. So that was the seed that you planted, which exactly. took you mm -hmm. one step closer to a journey of a million steps or a thousand steps. Bravo, I bravo. think that that reminds me of a story which involves a, a young man called Edwin Barnes, who was somebody, a poor fellow who was living in the era of the great Thomas Edison. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, this guy woke up one morning and he said, I want to become a partner of Thomas Edison, not to work for Thomas Edison. I want to become a business partner of, of Thomas Edison. This guy had no money in his pocket, right? This story is written in the book of Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, by the way, the mm -hmm. blockbuster book. It's a real story. Mm -hmm. So this guy jumped on a train Okay, on the commercial uh, part of the train because he didn't have a money to buy a ticket. So he basically sneaked his way in, into, the, into the freight train and he appeared before the great Thomas Edison, just like the genie out of the bottle, okay? And he taught Thomas Edison with his racked and, and poorly dressed appearance. Dear mm -hmm. Mr. Edison, I would like to become your business partner. Nearby relatives of Edison were laughing 
They were scorning this young fellow. They were saying, are you mad? Who are you to even consider? Edison was a big shot at the time already, but Edison wasn't laughing because in the eyes of that young fellow, he saw a determined young man who was willing to do everything possible to fulfill his dream. Right. So he gave him a job. He didn't tell him, I'll make you my business partner, okay, <laughs> of course. He gave him a job. For five years, this young man, uh, <clears throat> Edwin Barnes, uh, was doing what Edison was telling him. And then after three years, an opportunity arose where one of the inventions of Ediphone, the so-called Ediphone, which, which was like the, one of the first dictating machines, dictating your voice and recording it, when Edison uh, presented this invention to his team of salespeople, they said, this is rubbish. No one will buy it, okay? And we don't even want you to waste your time. They are, um, it seems we lost the, we lost Spiros. Just one minute, I will continue the story. The live streams have these points. So I was saying that Edison came up with this dictating machine idea and his salespeople, his sales force did not believe in it. On the other hand, um, the young Edward Barnes truly believed in it. Let's send the link, the link again to Spiros. So he, his people truly believed in it, and <laughs> Spiros succeeded the impossible already. Okay, and this guy was earned the trust of Edison, and he took over. Just one minute, I think Spiros is connecting. Hi, Spiros. Welcome back. <laughs> it's, the, it's the beauties of live streams. So it's good to exactly. have you back. I was saying that I was, yeah, I was delaying the story until you come back. So I was saying that the sales force of Edison mm -hmm. rejected the idea of promoting this dictating machine as a fad, a nonsense. Yes. The young Edwin Barnes, however, saw an incredible opportunity that could influence the life of thousands of people and edison told him all right get this idea get this product and go try to sell it and mm -hmm. this is why edwin barnes succeeded in selling the so-called ediphone which became an incredibly successful device and he became within five years he became a business partner of thomas edison wow. what a remarkable story the tenaciousness, the tenaciousness, then the raw determination. He moved exactly. where he was supposed to move. Like you, you, you took the first step. There is no guarantee that tomorrow you will do a movie, but one step led to the other, and you met the person who invited you to be the co-producer of Sangre Nigra, which is exactly. an incredible string of events. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. What it would is, you provide is. as a lesson 
out of this story? Is there any lesson for people who are listening to us in terms of determination, tenaciousness, focus, whatever it is that you you will to say about this adventure of yours? The lesson that I think I learned the most from this um, from these little adventures of mine and in these little chases is that when you love something, you need desperately and fiercely and all the other hyperlative <laughs> uh, verbs that you used to go after it with all your might. Because when you do, that's where the magic happens. If you don't do, if you employ a passive attitude towards it, and you constantly play in your mind all the what ifs, uh, mm. what if I, had, if I had gone after my dream, what if I had chased it more, what if I had started? So um, you annul all those negative things, negative, uh, negative thoughts, and you go after it without thinking. You said something to me today when we were conversing prior to this call. You need to jump out of a moving train and grow wings on your way down. Hmm. I think you are correct. The lesson is that without risk, there is no growth. And exactly. uh, at exactly. the same time, a journey, of a, thousand, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a simple step. That's a quote exactly. I don't remember mm -hmm. by whom. Mm -hmm. And this is how you manage to um, really delve into your passion mm -hmm. and Although you started at the bottom of the academic food chain in the film reel, mm -hmm. you are mm -hmm. now already somewhere, and you're moving with a, with, a, with a speed that is not to be reckoned with. Let me ask you something else, because we've said about having a plate full of dreams, full of tasks, full of projects. Mm -hmm. You're writing, you are journaling, you are authoring books, you're now working at the public service in a really important post. Uh, and I've heard that you are doing great there as well. If you were to choose one noun to describe you, what would it be if you were only allowed to choose one noun? Would it be an accountant, a producer, a writer, an author, a dreamer, a director? Have you ever thought about this? <laughs> I, <laughs> I did talk. And I would say that I wouldn't go for one of the above-mentioned words. Not even if you gave me the choice in a multiple-choice scenario, all of the above, I would go with jack of all trades. Mm. <laughs> because, because whatever I, in the course of my life, whatever I, uh, I come across, across and I like it, I tend to pick it up, trying to develop knowledge about it, and go after it. So uh, yeah, I'm picking up trades as I go. And you know the how the saying ends: "Jack of all trades, master of none." <laughs> but, That's fantastic. But it, it doesn't it doesn't apply to me. Master of some, I would say, it would be a better <laughs> character. That that fully resonates with me. You know, I am also a jack of trades. I know. And I know. recently, recently, I read something that really got me thinking that, you know, that was a hit home statement by Stephen Fry, the journalist. You know, it's a guy from a British channel. And mm -hmm. he was talking about 
<clears throat> Oscar Wilde, in some things he said, one of his usual puns and antithesis. He, you know, Stephen Fry said that we are not nouns, we are verbs. Uh, so I am not a thing, I'm not an actor, I'm not a writer. I'm not a person who does things. I write, I act, I produce films, and I never know what I'm going to do next. And that got me thinking because if you lock yourself into a label or a job description, that could terrify you and that could make you feel imprisoned. Whereas if you switch your mindset from a noun mindset, I'm a musician, I'm a composer, I'm a lawyer, I'm a magician, whatever, to a mm -hmm. verb mindset, I am a verb. So I write music, I play the piano, I perform magic, I help people interpret the law. So I'm a verb. This fluid and this mindset of being in a constantly transformative and self-developing phase is much more healthy for somebody to continue growing. Uh, so somebody like you, who is a jack of all, a jack of all trades, does not really need to commit to any single one of your endeavors. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think um, totally agree. You cannot have panel vision on one and one and only thing in your life. You need to spread this across a vast array of things that tickle your fancy. So you need to be um, to have your vices, to have your hobbies. You need to specialize yourself, not in one area, but in many, in order to avoid monotony, which is, uh, which is, the, um, um, is the most negative thing that can happen to a, to a person. So when you, go about your, when you go about your life and you want to live it to, to, to the fullest, you need to have, you need to uncontain yourself from not work but emphasizing on one single thing, whether that be your work, your uh, um, certain certain areas of your personal life, you need to mix them up, you need to mix everything up, and you need to go and edit each and every sector that you're identifying your life with full speed because. For example, like I go one step back when you mentioned my work. Yes, now I, I'm in the public service. It's a it's a blessing for me. Okay, compared to Spiro, uh, can you can you come a bit close? Can you? Uh, I I am losing your voice. Can you come a bit closer to the phone? I know you are already close, but I, the sound is mm -hmm. is fading. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about the public service. Yeah, right now you're in the public service. Yes. Mm -hmm. Tell us about the public service, your experience, mm -hmm. your motivation. Exactly. What I, what I said, can you hear me now? It's, uh, is it better? Yeah, the sound is breaking, but it's better now, yeah. Okay. Yeah, what I said is that now I moved into the public sector, so it's a blessing for me, uh, for my career, for my, for my needs and wants. So this gives me the opportunity to be the best I can be in my work life and also come out, come out of it when I, when I uh, get off work and be the best I can be in my family life, in my social life, in my personal life. 
So what you said previously about being nouns and verbs, I would twist it a bit and say that we can be both as long as we give those either nouns or verbs our everything, our heart, mm. heart and soul invested in it. So we can be anything that we want to be as long as we go after it. So you can be a public servant and you can serve the public at the same time. can be a noun and a verb. <laughs> Bravo. Uh, <laughs> you placed it in Spiros. Yes, absolutely. I think we, we are on the same track. Can, uh, mm -hmm. what is the, le let me tell you something else. I know that you are motivated in your current job because, you know, many people talk about the public service in a derogatory manner, and I, I know that you don't. What is the prime motivator? <laughs> Our phone is. <laughs> what is the prime motivator? <laughs> yeah, it's the it's it's a strange line. It has some yeah has some problems, but it's a live stream. If we if we interrupt mm -hmm. it, we will uh, have the same issue. So before we close, what is the prime motivator for you in the public service? What is the thing that drives you and makes you want to get up, get out of bed every every day and go to work? The prime motivator, as you said, is going to work each day and not serving um, figures and numbers, uh, dollars and cents. It's uh, having as my ultimate goal of going into work each morning is that I serve somehow either directly or indirectly the citizen. So this moral reward acts as a spring in my, in my step. For me personally, for, uh, for, for Spiros, for my personal uh, um, requirements, say, that's what drives me to go, into work, to, go to work. And by comparing my three previous uh, employers, they are most of the and the, the ultimate goal that I was serving, there's no comparison, the one with the other, and the private sector with the public sector, personally. So it's being a, it's, it's doing a different, it's doing, basically, the, the subject matter of the work may be the same. Okay, there's never a day in the public service, but that's another story, and that's good. But uh, the, our prime objective is different and this is more attuned to my liking so that's why you uh, you will that's why you see me motivated and um, very eager very very willing to go out and about and do my work to the fullest and then get up work and still have a life because the one fits, in, fits into the other it's like a vicious circle only in mm. a sense a virtuous circle. So Maybe it's a virtuous circle. Exactly. <laughs> it's like a, a beneficial circle. Yes. 22, but without the catch. <laughs> That's great. Let us wrap up uh, by saying what are your future plans? Before I make a summary of our con conversation, it has some technical issues. It doesn't matter. I'll try to wrap it up in a nice way. Uh, what are your future plans? Future are plans pertaining to career, work, um, life, okay. to everything. 
to everything. You continue doing what you do well, maybe with the film. Actually, uh, like you, I don't have a, a ready-made plan. I'm not a, a five-year plan guy. Uh, I never was to begin with. I like to take it one day at a time and see where my wind blows and go that uh, in that direction. So, as I said before, I'm enjoying the moment. Uh, I'm a guy that lives in the present. And once my uh, PhD comes in, once I move towards into the sun, I am sure, without having, without knowing it for sure, I don't have, you know, the charisma foresight or anything, but I know that good things will come. I have no doubt about it. Let me do a, a quick summary. We, we said with Spiros to, to the viewers as well that, first of all, the multitasking is, I think, it's a myth in being an effective way of handling tasks and allocating our time. Being a ruthless single tasker is much more effective and allocating priorities as well. We said that we should move closer to our dreams and goals one step at a time. And there is magic on our journey that we cannot foresee ahead of time. And at the, at, at the same time, we said that um, we can combine our full-term job with our full-time dream provided that we are motivated and self-driven and we go with our full heart in whatever we do. And we are both nouns and verbs. Is it a fair summary? Not only fair, comprehensive, thorough, meticulous. <laughs> Let me you put some... Very well, my friend. Thank mm -hmm. you. Let me put a few uh, comments on the screen very quickly. One, I think, is, is, is your father, Kostas Yasemidis. I'm proud of you, Spirosmu. For sure. is <laughs> our friend. Mm -hmm. Tell me, tell me. I took after him a lot. I, uh, he bequeathed the, um, the cinephile gene to me. So what I am now in terms of cinephilia, I, I always talk to him. <laughs> Fantastic. Stathis, Stathis, our friend, he sends his thumbs up. Christophoros Christophi, truly amazing. Thank you, Christophore. And some friends of you, I think, or fans. Egidona, our neighbor. <laughs> you are a lot, you are a lot for Cyprus. You have to go to America. Spiros <laughs> succeeded the impossible already, which is a, the subject matter of the of the podcast. And his future plans are steak right, steak nice two times per week. <laughs> <laughs> This guy, this guy's my neighbor. Yeah. And uh, he's a master chef. He studied culinary arts in the UK. Fantastic. So that's why he speaks the, the, the language of the chef. And he's my private chef. And after finishing this life, he will come over and cook two tomahawks for me, one kilo. I'm really jealous. I think I'll pop by over to, to share it together. It's only okay. one hour drive from Lima because yeah, you should come over. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's a treat. It's a very tempting treat. Okay, Spiro, thank you very much for being a guest. It's thank my you pleasure. For me on your mm -hmm. podcast. We have so many topics to discuss. Let's put a, a semicolon there. 
and we can take it up in a, in a future episode to continue with some, I'm sure, positive, some other positive views on your end. And let me wish you the best. I have no, idea, no doubt that whatever you do, whatever you touch will turn into gold. Maybe not the same. Eventually, you are on the track to whatever it is that you're pursuing. And thank you again for being part of this discussion and talk. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for, for having me. And the wishes are only, can, can only be reciprocal. So I'm wishing you in kind of the best in your chosen second career, which will be <laughs> the best out of the two. <laughs> and you will, if I can borrow one word from your, from your discography, you will shine in everything that you will do. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you Take care. Bye to our viewers as well. Thanks. Bye. 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 Ciao. Bye. I save a prayer for those who care. I keep the faith, but no one will dare to hold my hand until the end. When all the pieces fall into place, my body is weak. The mind is tired, but there's a fire that heals deep inside. I close my eyes. Stretch my soul to gather up the